Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years, and have never lost my passion for comic books. Something I try to pass on to old and new readers. It's Friday, September 1st, 2023, and this is show 130. It's also a show that wasn't supposed to happen. I had to rework RA schedule shows to get this one in now. Every known knows I am the biggest cheerleader when it comes to comic books and the industry and companies. There are too many fantastic comic books and things going on to waste my time on crappy ones. One of the things I try to do is focus more on digital comics. A particular comic book is in a digital format. I tend not to cover it. It's just my niche. I believe digital and traditional comic book shops should complement each other. Digital comics allow easier access to find hard-to-find comic books, which then hopefully will in turn send people to comic book shops to see what's out there that's new. The best is probably Marvel Unlimited because they have the largest catalog and complete runs of all their major stuff. The Fantastic Four, Amazing Spider-Man, X-Men, Daredevil, it's all there. It's such a great service. It took DC, though, years to add Unlimited Plan. And as a charter member of said plan, it's hard not to turn into the grumpy, get-off-my-grass comic book fan. Now, it's a two-tier system. The slightly more expensive version gets you all the DC comics one month after they arrive at the shop. That, to me, is, a is worth the price of the service. A little slower one, a little bit cheaper. I think comic books came out like three months after they hit the newsstands. However, the archives of older comics usually make me crazy about how, what, and why they add certain books. Except for the JLA and possibly the Wally West version of The Flash, every major title has holes missing. There's no complete runs of Fantastic, I'm sorry, of Wonder Woman, Detective, Batman, Green Lantern, nothing. Sure, there are complete arcs, but I want to read long runs sometimes of a complete title. And I give DC credit for a 10-year-plus run now of The Flash. And even this month, they're filling in some of the gaps. They have a huge amount to fill in before they get that whole title even filled out. DC, until recently, ignored Silver and Golden Age comics. There are only so many slots allotted each month. And last year, they archived the old DC's Who's Who. Sure, that made for great references, but it took off archive space that could be used to fix some of the holes and give us some more Golden Age and Silver Age. There's still only one 1970s action comic books in the archives. That's a 10-year run. A new fan might wonder, who cares about comic books that came out that long ago? There are some fantastic comics from that time that are must-reads. There are fantastic reads from all ages of comic books if read within the context of the times. This month, I am so pleased that DC added two dozen comics to the archives because one time, they didn't add quite so many. And I'm excited again because we have the silver and golden age. Cool. But the choice of exactly why they added had me practically banging my head against the wall, shouting, why, why, why? Before I knew it, I had enough notes for a full show. So why not? It lists all the archive comics, some of the background context, some of my frustrations, and why some of these are actually fantastic choices that make you even wonder why it took so long to get added to the archives in the first place. It's a different type of show. I hope you enjoy how it came out. And if you're new to the podcast, thanks for checking it out. I hope you continue to sample the show. 
Please look at the show notes for all the podcasts and social media. I often cover indie creators. I do Kickstarters. It's so important for the podcast to grow for them people so they get more exposure. Wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe to the podcast. Please, I want the podcast to continue growing. As I said, introduce fans to a different way of discovering and reading fantastic comic books. Now into today's show. Let's talk adventure comics. It's one of them legacy titles that's longer around, but it had a great run from like 1935 through right around 1983, uh, at least 400 going on 500 issues. Major title was a home of the Legion of Superheroes at one time, but out of all the issues, they only have 97. And right around the Silver Age, you have like 103, 247, 267, 278, 300. Wonky. So I was wondering, like, how long is Adventure Comics 103 is going to be in there? Who put that in the first place of all things? And I looked it up. I thought, well, maybe it's the first appearance of Superboy. Nope. That was in more fun comics 101 the year before. So how 103 of all the ones you could put in there, who knows with DC? But... We do have several adventure comics coming into this cycle. One of them is kind of cool. It is Adventure Comics 282 from 1961, which is the first appearance of Starboy. Finally, we're getting another Legion of Superheroes, Silver Age, added to the archives. Interestingly enough, the backup is an Aquaman with Romana Fraden, I hope I said her name right, who's a major female artist, and I'm like, oh, I would love to see some more of her work. Coming up, we actually have Adventure Comics 283. Wow, two in a row. Another major comic appearance. We have the first appearance of the Phantom Zone Criminals, the Phantom Zone Projector, and General Zod. On the flip side, though, this is also the final appearance of Congo Bill and Congorilla feature in Adventure Comics. Big, big thing during the Golden Age. Now, I'm hoping that when they archive this, they archive the whole thing. Because a lot of times what DC will do, they'll archive just the main story and forget about all the things. So hopefully we'll get this. And here we get into the DC logic again. Because they skipped number 284 and went to 285. Well, I don't know. Who knows? But the only thing that I could find about 285 was the first appearance of, didn't know this existed, Bizarro Crypto. He actually made it 18 appearances. Maybe somebody has a great thing for Bizarro Crypto in May 285. That's it for Adventure Comics. Hey, I'll take what I can get. Hopefully to keep adding. It's odd, but a good thing that DC's adding more Silver Age stuff. Now over on Superman, the original Superman title that ran from like 1939 through 2011... They've got uh, 128 archived. And this month they're adding another one, 122 from July 1958. And I was looking at this, I'm going, wow, there's only one other Silver Age Superman archive. That's how terrible this is. So you got 122, and the one that they actually have archived is 123. Why? Who knows? But at least here we're following the sequence because we get Superman 124. And we get 125 and 126. For a minute there, I was confused because I thought they skipped 123 this month. But like I said, it's already been archived. So now it's got me wondering, why did they archive that? Because, you know, this is DC and they have to put stuff in the archive that makes no sense. Again, this is one of the quirky charms of the service, trying to figure out why they're doing it. And yes, there was a reason that 123 was in there. 
It's the first appearance of Supergirl and that can be seen as DC teasing the wife for the real girl still nine months later. So that makes sense. But the rest of these issues, there's nothing spectacular in there. Yeah, you get some of the legends like Kurt Swan, Kurt Plus, Al Plastino, uh, Schaefenberger. Yeah, you get great stuff like that, but it's like there's nothing significant in there. Like I'd like to see the first Kurt Swan Superman or some of these other things that are out there. But hey, it's Silver Age. I'll take what I can get. Not a big deal. I'm good with it. Surprisingly, but again, nothing about the service should be a surprise. DC continues to add more of the Silver Age Bronze Age Flash title. DC adds three more issues this month, straight through 224. That brings it from 124 to right around 245 archived. DC does not have a complete run of any of these legacy titles. No Superman, no Wonder Woman, no nothing. They have about another 100 of the Flash to do, and I'm not sure some of the other ones. The few exceptions are the JLA. They actually have all 250-some issues. They have that. But none of these other legacy, nothing. Ah, so frustrating. But on the other end of things, at the end of the month of September, there will be 17 issues of the Warlord archived. Now, I admit, I raised an eyebrow or two over adding this one to the archives. It's a new title, and it runs a long time, 133 issues. I'd rather see DC fill some of the holes in the other titles first before bringing on a new title. But, first is from Mike Grell. We Bronze Age babies are excited to see more of Grell's work. You newer fans need to look up Grell. He's a major player in many of his stories and mythos ripple through DC Comics today. Second, it's a sword and sorcery series that ran from 76 to 88. Back then, it was a genre that comic books weren't all that focused on. And this is a series that survived a few seismic events going on through DC. It survived the DC implosion, the first crisis, and who knows whatever else. You guys who don't know that, Go look up the DC implosion, the first crisis. History lesson. And Grell, he wrote the first six years of the, and wrote and drew the first six years of the title. That's a huge achievement by any standard. And even afterward, the series lasted behind his contributions. That's how big Warlord was. I hope DC continues to add more genres and don't stop adding things that they should. Like, you need more war comics. There's none in DC. I would love to see more Joe Kubert's war stuff. Hopefully, we'll get some. Again, I tried to be the biggest cheerleader of comic books and things like this. This DC Infinite Service. But, man, they make it so hard sometimes. You know, I was going through and we were looking at, you know, I'm great. to get like, almost two dozen comic books they archive. And then they did something that I stumped me. I started the segment... And then my confusion kept on growing. And then we got to this new Teen Titans in the listing, and that got me even more confused. Now, because it's not the Teen Titans, it's actually Tales of the Teen Titans, so the misprint in their end. Now, Legendary Perez Teen Titans started in 1980 and lasted 40 issues, sort of. In 1984, DC tried a new experiment that still resonates with the comic book shops today. Once upon a time. Before comic shops, comics were printed on some of the worst possible newsprint paper. That's one of the reasons for a long time comics were 10, 12, and 15 cents because they were printed on garbage and they weren't designed to last. They were disposable. When I started collecting comics long ago, comics were like 35 cents. And my entry into the comic book world marked a steady increase 
and the cost of a comic book. I went from 35 to 40 and then 50 and 75 and it just kept on going up. So in, again, in 1984, DC decided to relaunch two of their most popular titles, the Teen Titans and Legion of Superheroes and this new Baxter format available only through comic shops. I can't remember exactly why it's called Baxter and I'm not looking it up. You can actually do some of the homework this time around. But the Baxter titles were $1.25 and the regular comics were 75 cents. Yes, it was worth 100% that extra 50 cents. The print quality and what you could do with colors and even how the comic was laid out changed dramatically. And that for you new fans is what resonates through the day that you'll pay for a comic book almost any price. DC learned decades ago that fans will pay more if they feel the price justifies the quality and the quantity of a release. Look at all them huge $100 omnibuses that are popular. But there's another reason the Bachelor series was a good deal. The original titles didn't stop publishing. The new Tales of Teen Titans published new stories for the next year. So fans got a double dose of Titans and Legion of Stories. And then afterwards, the Baxter stuff were reprinted in the newsstands. Now, newsstands is different from your comic shops today, and I won't go into details, but the show will never end. And, but grocery stores and convenience stores and mom and pop stores used to carry a lot more comic books. Today, unless it's something from Archie, most publishers bypass things like grocery stores. That's where I got confused again, because Tales from the Teen Titans ran from 84 to 88, 41 through 99, and then with 59 started to become a reprint title. And I noticed last month that they added 77 through 80, and this month they're adding another 82 through 85, and they're six away from a complete run. Sort of. For some odd reason, they skipped 84, which is okay because it's issue 15 of the Baxter series, so why skip it? But wait, it gets better. If you go backwards, they're missing 59 through 70. So when you decide to add the issues, why should you just go backwards and do 59 through 70? And why are they adding a reprint title, which takes up an archive slot? Why not return to those earlier issues that are missing big chunks? It's maddening. On the flip side, they're almost out of issues to archive, and maybe we'll get some good stuff again. However, while sorting out this who's on first with this Titans run, I'm trying to figure out what it was. I noticed that last month they had added some Green Arrow from that series that ran like 88 through 98. Again, I went down the archive rabbit hole, looking around. They've only got 58 issues of 137 archive. And then they added a few Green Arrow and then stopped for no reason. That's more than normally the exception. You can never know that once they start a title, whether or not they'll complete it on time. Last year, they stopped a few issues through. I think it was... Issues 1 through 17 of the classic Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. They missed the last three issues. Surprisingly, they actually did go back a few months and added those. But DC does this type of stuff all the time. They'll add a big chunk of Wonder Woman or Batman or something else and then stop. That's annoyingly frustrating at times. But again, another one of them charms of the service. Now we're on to the brave and the bold. Now, there's no particular reason I chose this as the last one to talk about. But after the crazy wackiness, I'm trying to be prepared again to understand the DC archive logic. Recently, DC's gone through and archived quite a few holes in this title. 
It's one of DC's most important titles. At the end of August, it archived 124 of the 200 issues, and all the Batman team-ups from 74 through 200 are all there. They also have added some non-Batman stories, like Brave and the Bull 85, which has the Flash and Doom Patrol. But from like 54, which is the first appearance of the Teen Titans, one of the multiple reasons that this title is important through issue 73, they got 60, 63, and 7, or 65, three issues archived. Why? Just fill in the gaps. Now, the Brave and the Bold, this time around, is going to archive 46 through 49. Instead of archiving the tail end of the missing series, whereas DC went before with the big gap, again, there's missing this huge chunk from 55 to 73, they're going backwards. Now, I understand the logic, and I understand that it doesn't have to, they don't have anything past like the first. Four issues, ten issues. I think the Brave and the Bull archive starts at 25. Now I get the first issue doesn't have the cashier of 35, which features the original Suicide Squad, or number 28, which is the first appearance of JLA, but the first Brave and the Bull deserves attention because, for example, it's got Joe Kubert drawing Viking Prince. There should be more Kubert, more Swan, more creators. Get those first 24 issues that aren't in the archives into the archives. So you get from 25 through 45, you're missing, not too bad, 31 through 33, and then 35. I'm here for issues, fill in the gaps. No, DC gets high school the other way and starts to archive that 45 up through 49. Why? Not sure. Had to go look around. It could have been something important. Could be nothing. Oddly, these issues actually make sense out of everything that DC archived this month, outside maybe the first appearance of Starboy, this one makes sense. It surprised me a lot. Those five issues represent a huge tryout for a possible Brave and the Bold sh and Showcase type title. The Brave and the Bold and the Showcase would give you two or three issues and you got a lot of Silver Age stuff that spun out of this. These five issues were strange sports stories with iconic creators like Carmen Infantino, Gardner Fox, and Murphy Anderson. So actually, now you get all these issues and more common Infinito, Gardner Fox, Murphy Anderson. This makes sense. Such a change because as you can see with all these crazy things that DC does, the logic behind what they archive never makes sense. Thank you for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Excuse my wonkiness. I really tried not to sound like the old man get off my grass type of thing. But oh my gosh, I still think DC service is great. Highly recommend it. It's just some of the wonkiness involved in it. It's just... Again, makes it so endearing at times. Thanks, y'all. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you at fantasticcomicfan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.